This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It is another edition of Phillies Today. I'm your host, James Seltzer. It is Tuesday, August the 25th. As we come off an off day yesterday, the Phillies back at it tonight in Washington against the Nationals. Start of a three-game series. Start of th- three out of seven games against the Nationals over the next ten games. So we're going to see a lot of Washington Nationals action over the next few days. We'll dive into it all coming up. And uh, again, just kind of coming off where we were yesterday's show, of course, coming off of the weekend. The thrilling victory on Sunday night led to... Uh, preceded by the two brutal, brutal losses prior to that on Friday and Saturday. Saturday, a particularly gut-punchy loss Friday, just no shot from the jump type of loss. Um, But I wanted to take the opportunity today as we head into a game tonight, the off day yesterday, no games to talk about Phillies-wise, and and just kind of take stock of where the Phillies are at right now as they're sitting at 10-14. and So 24 games into a 60-game season, we are... Again, uh, so they have three games against the Nats and three against the Braves this weekend. By the end of this week, we will be halfway through the season. Literally halfway through the season. The trade deadline is one week from yesterday. I mean, we're there. We're, we're getting there. So, um, look, going back to, to kind of what we talked about yesterday, first and foremost, um, I don't love the trade that the Phillies made, the two trades. You know, trading Anderson Russ for David Hale, who was DFA'd by the Yankees and trading Connor Siebold and Nick Pavetta, the Pavetta part, less concerned about. But trading Connor Siebold for Workman and Henry, and, and really if that trade too, the, the most frustrating part that we didn't really talk about yesterday was that the Phillies basically gave up a better prospect in Connor Siebold in order to get cash back so they wouldn't go over the luxury tax of the trade, which just continues with that theme and, and whatever. I mean, at this point, it is it is whatever. But the fact they had to give up Seabold as opposed to a worse prospect just because they want to get money back so they can go over the taxes. Disappointing is the phrase to use. Disappointing, to say the least. Um, but look, I, I do think that, you know, particularly just for this season, they're better. 
I mean, there's no way around that. I mean, they gave up three guys who weren't a part of the team right now for theoretically three guys who should pitch big innings for them. You know, I mean, that's um, absolutely crazy to think about that that's kind of the situation, but that's where we're at. So I wanted, again, to take stock today and look at some reasons for optimism for this team. There's some concerns, too, and, and we'll talk about those as we go, and there's certainly something we've talked about a lot. But in terms of, of all right, let's take stock today, 24 games in the season, and, and try and find reasons to be optimistic because, look, there has been so much disappointment so far with this start. Again, you know, even with the the thrilling win on Sunday night, it still just couldn't dull the the anger and disappointment of the two nights prior. Really, the the four days prior. If you go back to the Toronto game, the the games in Toronto, the Boston loss, um, and just the fact that again last week, prior to that Sunday night game, they had been ahead in five straight games and lost five straight games is just a kick in the you know what. So, um, but there are reasons, particularly for this season. Look the. Future of the club, where it's at under Matt Clentac. I think you know where I feel about that. I am not bullish about their ability to move forward in a constructive and positive way until there is a real you know, change within the organization. But in terms of right now, just in this moment, where we're at, looking at this team, sitting at 10 and 14, heading in to an important series with the Nats and the Braves and the Nats again, like the crux of the NL East schedule right here against the, the best teams in the NL East in theory, um, that, look, there are reasons for optimism. <laughs> you know, it's hard to believe, considering how disappointing this team has been. Certainly, and again, I think that, you know, the bullpen really is the, the obviously the, the reason for that, but I think that it's really also just, as we've talked a lot about, that having such a disastrous, historically bad bullpen isn't just a bummer. <laughs> it also sucks the life out of watching the games. It really does. Cause as we've talked about, I mean, no lead is safe, not just for the team, but for the fans too. Like watching the game, you can't get invested in a game. You can't feel good about a game. You know, you just, you're always waiting for the hammer to drop. And more often than not, the hammer drops. And even when it doesn't, it takes an incredible play at the plate to save it from dropping. So I think that that has sucked kind of the, some of the, the juice and excitement about this team out of it because it is such a disappointing thing to watch on a night-to-night basis when your bullpen just continue blows games. Because, again, like, everything else is, like, acceptable. You know, the offense has been really good. The starting pitching has been, two guys have been really good, and the rest have not been good enough. There's no question. They're not going deep into games. They're getting into this bullpen too early. This bullpen's not good enough for that. But, again, like, if you had a league average bullpen, this record is probably flipped. This team's 14-10, and 10, not 10-14. and 14. You know what I mean? Seriously. Seriously, that's the type of impact that this bullpen has had. I might be cutting it short. They might be like 16 and 8 if it weren't for that bullpen. You know I mean? Seriously. That's how bad it's been, so it does suck the life out of it. But again, there are reasons to be optimistic. And let's start with that bullpen. Because as much as I don't like the trades holistically from an organizational perspective for the future and for the cheapness of it and all that stuff, they are better now than they were prior to the weekend. Facts, period. End of story. I mean, Brandon Workman, Heath Embry, and David Hale are major league pitchers. <laughs> you know, which, as you've heard me say many, many, many times on this show, the Phillies bullpen has been full of guys who are not major league pitchers. Cole Irvin, not a major league pitcher. Trevor Kelly, 
not a major league pitcher. Nick Pavetta, before he left, not a major league pitcher. The list goes on and on. I mean, a lot of the guys in the pen who have pitched important innings for this team this year are not major league quality pitchers. And then you add in the Hector Neris thing where if you're talking about reasons for concern, Hector Neris is really high on my list. Neris coming into the season was the the one guy I thought you could count on this pen. Him and Alvarez, those are my two guys. And look, Alvarez has been good. I've been, you know, minus the horrific injury that apparently, you know, he's going to be okay from, thank goodness. But um, Alvarez has been good, but um, Neris is a disaster. He's a mess. No one's swinging at his splitter, which is telling you something. I'm worried he's tipping pitches again, which obviously was something we had had to deal with in the past, and that would be a, a reason players are not swinging at his at his splitter. But Neris just doesn't look good. I mean, it's what it is. And he's the guy I had the most confidence in. So that is a a major concern. But on the flip side, again, Heath Embry, David Hale, and particularly Brandon Workman, even though Embry certainly had a much better entree to the Phillies than Workman, who has not looked great so far. But Workman's been a really good pitcher for the last year. I mean, I think his ERA is like 1-7 or something over the last year. Um, he's been the closer for the Red Sox. He's pitched some big innings for them. Like, he's a major league reliever, a, a pretty good one, I think. Hembry is the definition of a major league reliever. He's not great. He's not anything special, but... You know, it's not going to be the type of thing where every time he goes out there, he's going to stink, which has been the case for so many of these Phillies relievers. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable at this point, the level of futility that we have seen come out of that bullpen. When Joe Girardi walks out and taps his right arm or his left arm, the odds are that that guy's going to suck legitimately. David Hale, less so, but David Hale, Heath Embry, and Brandon Workman, the odds are they won't suck when they get called in the bullpen far more often than the guys that have been calling in. So if we're looking for one reason to be optimistic, again, whether I like the trade for a long term, because I'm talking about reasons for optimism right now. Again, organizationally speaking, you know what I think is the number one reason for optimism. It's when they make a change. But in terms of right now, in the here and now, Hembry, Workman, Hale, they make it better. This bullpen is better. It should be better. It should perform better. Again, this is all relative. They've been historically bad. So maybe they'll just be bad? Possible? I'm hoping. You're hoping for just bad? Not historically bad? Um, but I think that there's a real chance with those guys here that that happens. And look, I, I again, I'm not trying to say that this bullpen's going to be noticeably better or good or whatever, but I do think that bringing those three guys into games, at least you're bringing a major league pitcher into a game. Again, where the, the that was not the case a lot of the time. So I think that's an important reason for optimism. You know, I think that's something to, again, in the here and now, which is all we're caring about is the here and now. So that's a reason for optimism. I think the other, you know, if you're looking for other reasons for optimism, I mean, obviously, look, Bryce JT, we don't, we don't need to go into that, but Bryce and JT are absolute reasons for optimism. They're having MVP-type seasons. Bryce Harper has been one of the best players in the sport this season so far. JT has not been far behind him. Those guys have been absolute stars. And look, the fact that they're in this type of thing in the moment, that that if the bullpen doesn't keep long games, if you can find a way to win some of these games, that, that is a major thing to get excited about. I mean, having a, a, a dynamite middle of the order, it, it can carry teams. You know, it's the kind of thing that can really help you win on a night-to-night basis. So, I mean, that's clear. That's an obvious reason for optimism. But I, I it... It needs to be mentioned. It needs to be highlighted because 
again, I, I just don't want it to go take, get taken for granted what these guys are doing. I mean, Bryce Harper and, and how important it is to winning baseball games. You know, I mean, that that's the real key. I mean, Bryce Harper is having a season. Harper has just been so good. He's got an 1119 OPS right now, which is insane. A 453 OBP. Bryce Harper has just been an absolute monster. A 960 OPS for Romuto. So far and away, the two best players on the team, like no one's even in their hemisphere with how good these guys have been. So that's important. Those are reasons for optimism. But again, those are ones that we expect and count on. But it doesn't mean that they're not viable. You know, they're not important to mention. But some other reasons for optimism. And it's one that we've seen uh, just from the moment he came up. Batting 343, his first homer in his career on Sunday night. Alec Bohm is a hitter. He is a real deal, ready-to-roll-from-the-jump hitter. Now, to be fair, he is an abysmal third baseman. His natural position is DH, or first base, best case. But that man at third base is a, is a train wreck. He is a horrible, horrible, horrible defensive third baseman. And you know what? I don't even care. He's so good offensively. He makes his team better. I mean, he is just a pure hitter. You see it. I mean, that home running it is a perfect example. Being able to crush that ball 450 feet, essentially, to right center field. I mean, that takes hitting ability. That takes strength. That takes all the things you're looking for. And, and the fact that Bohm has come up, and at no point has it looked too big for him, from an offensive perspective, obviously. Um, he just looks comfortable in the box. It doesn't matter who he's going up against. He is just driving the baseball, hitting it squarely, hitting it to gaps, using the entire field. He's the exact type of hitter you want. I've been so impressed with Alec Bohm. So impressed. Again, just offensively. The polar opposite defensively. He's a disaster. But again, I think that Girardi needs to work around that. Maybe DH him a little more and, and play Segura at third. I think that's a viable strategy at this point because I think it's pretty clear that Bohm is not a a defensive player, but man, that guy hits, and he is a valuable, valuable addition to the lineup. And look, if you had to say to me, uh, you can have a player who's a great fielder, you can have a player who's a great hitter, me and 30 Major League Baseball GMs are going to take the great hitter every time, you know, and obviously positional stuff matters. You can't say put the, you know, if they're playing shortstop and, and whatever, stuff, stuff matters and catcher and all that type of stuff, but just on a holistic level, you know, you're always going to take the hitter, and Alec Bohm is a hitter. He's a, a Major League hitter who's going to hit a lot. And uh, I think that's the reason for optimism. I think it's exciting. It adds a dimension to this offense that they were missing. This lineup has been great this year. But a big part of it has been Bryce and JT carrying them for games at a time. You know, throwing them on their back. Really being the driving force. That's part of why we keep talking about how bad I feel for JT and Bruce. That, and excuse me, and Bryce, that that those guys aren't getting the support from the team. They're having these amazing seasons, and it's on a 10 and 14 baseball team. Like, that's the frustrating part because these guys deserve better. They're bringing better, they deserve better. Alec Bohm gives another dimension to that offense, especially, you know, with some of the guys who've struggled so far or are starting to pick it up or whatever. I think Alec Bohm, a, a guy you can count on already offensively, and is going to have some big hits for this team. And I, I personally think is a major reason for optimism. Another reason for optimism along those lines um, are two guys who have really, to start the season, really struggled, and we were concerned about, we were worried about it. Andrew McCutcheon, let's start with, is good to go, folks. I mean, Andrew McCutcheon is back to being Andrew McCutcheon. He has been white hot, batting well over 300 over the last few weeks. Um, 
finally hitting the ball with some power. A couple homers in the last week. Andrew McCutcheon looks great. Andrew McCutcheon looks great. How exciting is it? It was uh, it was a concern when he came back from the injury that the timing was off. Just didn't look like the same guy and all that type of stuff. And you worry that maybe he won't be the same after that injury. I mean, he's 31 when he had it, 32 now. Um, that's a major injury. You never know. He's back. I think Andrew McCutcheon's back. He still looks a little gimpy at times in the, in the outfield. We've seen that and stuff. But from an offensive perspective, I mean, he's he's been great the last couple of weeks. I've been really, really excited and emboldened by what we've seen from McCutcheon. And I think you feel great with him at the top of the lineup again. I really don't think that it's a it's a concern again. You know, I think that we're good. I, I'm good with Andrew McCutcheon. I have no concerns. Now, I'm not going to say I have no concerns with the next guy I'm about to talk about, but I'm heading in a positive direction because Reese Hoskins has been better, flat out. Facts. He has been a much better hitter over the last couple of weeks. That home run that it, you know he hit in Boston, his first home of the season, going opposite field with it. It barely got out, but still seeing him drive the ball to the opposite field, it's a big deal. A big deal for Reese Hoskins. Hit the homer in the game on Sunday night, jacked one to left. That was nice to see. It felt like an old school Hoskins homer. Still getting on base. Um, he's not back. You know, I'm not saying like Reese is back, back to what he was. Not We're not there. But I do think that it's time to start saying, okay, Reese is not killing this team the way he was before. Reese is not the black hole offensively that he was before. Like Scott Kingery, still a black hole. You know, I feel horrible every time Kingery steps the plate. Reese Hoskins, we're starting to transition out of that. We're starting to get away from the worst stretch of baseball that we've ever seen from a guy like that and all that type of stuff. Um, I'm not, again... I'm not there. I'm not saying it's, you know, all is well in the world with Reese Hoskins and there's no reason for concern anymore. That's definitely not what I'm saying. But I am saying that I'm I'm less concerned than I was. I really am. I am less concerned than I was. And I, I do think that's an important thing because I think we were all really, really concerned for, for Reese. And um, I think we're starting to maybe, hopefully, potentially see him come out of it. So I think those are real reasons for optimism. And look, let's be real. The biggest reason for optimism, by far, is the fact that they're like a game or a game and I'm out of a playoff spot. I mean, this is, they're still there. I mean, you look at teams in the National League, there are not many who have an over 500 record. I mean, let's be real about it. You know, like... San Diego, the Dodgers, the Braves, the Cubs, like those are really the only teams who are playing good baseball. There are four spots open for teams in Granite. Now, two of them are going to go to the second place teams in the Central and the West, but there's still three wild card spots open for teams that are over under 500 right now. Like one of these wild card spots is going to get to a team that's under 500. It just is going to happen. I mean, it's blatant when you look at how this is all shaking out. I mean, the Phillies are not much worse than everyone else. They're like a game behind the Nats and the Mets. A game behind the Mets. Half game behind the Nats. Like, that's where they're at. They're not. They're right there. They're right there. I think if you're looking for the number one reason to be optimistic about the Phillies right now, it's the offense because that offense has been really good. But I think you're also looking at the fact that this is a weird year with a lot of baseball teams making the playoffs, and the Phillies are right in it. They're right in it. Bryce Harper... We talked about on the show yesterday, said the whole, they got to win 9 out of 10 or whatever. No, they don't. They just need to win like 7 out of 10, 6 out of 10 even. Maybe win 5 in a row. That would be a nice start. But again, like they're right there. They don't need some dramatic swing. They just need to win some games. And again, I think they're somewhat well positioned considering how bad the rest of the National League is, is playing right now. So like the Phillies have not been good, but they've also not been lapped. You know, it's not like uh, they've, any teams have, have run away. 
and certainly not enough where they're, they're, you know, the wild card thing's an issue. So if you're looking for the number one reason to be still invested in this season, to still have optimism, it's because this season the Phillies are in it. It's crazy and ridiculous as that sounds. And if the bullpen can be better with these guys they traded for, like, why can't they make a playoff spot? Like, again, like, I'm not talking World Series. I'm not talking about winning at all. I'm not saying anything like that. But I am saying that I think this Phillies team could potentially make the playoffs, and that's exciting. And that's a reason to be invested, a reason to be exciting. Um, so some reasons for optimism. Quickly, uh, before we get out of here, I just want to mention, uh, we did mention the trade deadlines a week from yesterday. We're there. Uh, Jeff Passon did an article on ESPN talking about the trade deadline coming up and who some of the buyers are and sellers are in it. And just got me thinking about like, so look, the Phillies are clearly a buyer since they already made these moves in order to add. Um, but it makes me wonder if they're going to add any more. I, I would lean towards no, no in this Phillies team, especially not wanting to go over luxury tags very clearly or obviously. Um, but you figure they're going to be here. So he does talk about the Phillies um, talking about the, uh, the trade Um and talking about um, with Philadelphia, he said, um, if the Phillies did decide to become a seller, so which is uh, unlikely, he said, but if the Phillies ran into a buzzsaw this week against Washington Atlanta, could they consider dealing catcher JT Romuto? He says, heresy fans in Philadelphia would cry, and with good reason. Romuto is the best catcher in, catcher in baseball. He's also a pending free agent. If the 10 and 14 Phillies get walloped this week and find themselves behind everyone in the NL except Pittsburgh, Knowing six of the eight playoff spots in each league come from the top two teams in every division, could they make the calculation that the return from a Remuto trade would outweigh the chances of a turnaround plus the draft pick they would reap if he were to leave in free agency? Passon says, well, yeah, they could. Think about the teams that need catching up. Tampa Bay, best farm system in baseball. San Diego, second best. Cleveland, lots of good pitching and others. He goes on. He says, but the idea of folding up shop, even if they struggle this week, is not just antithetical to their stated plan of contention in 2020. It would enrage fans who want to shout, sign JT at their television and devices and want nothing more than a Romuto extension. Pretty crazy. This is a Jeff Passner on ESPN.com. Um, so clearly the shine JT thing is national. Everyone knows what we're doing here. Um, he goes on. He says, while fan sentiment cannot drive decision-making, anyone who says it doesn't, factor in is lying and we know that because we know Bryce Harper and the whole Todd Zalecki poll and all that it goes on he says it would also be the, quite the about face Philadelphia just traded for levers Brandon Workman and Heath Embry Bryce Harper hasn't looked this good since his 2015 MVP season rookie Alec Bohm looks like a star Aaron Nolan and Zach Wheeler are awfully good one-two punch top the rotation the NL East leaves a lot to be desired he does say if the Phillies sold they'd have plenty of inventory Romuto Workman shortstop Didi Gregorius Jay Bruce Jake Arrieta but to go from trying to f win to full-on sale in less than a week, no team wants to do this, that, and it makes what, and it's what makes this deadline so confusing. First of all, I don't think there's any way the Phillies do that. None. Even if they lose six out of seven this week, I, I just or six five out of six, I just don't see it. I think that you know trading for the relievers showed you what type of mindset they're in. I think Matt Klentak, he, I don't think he can afford to just throw this season away. You know, I think that train for the Reavers was partially a, hey, I'm, I'm keeping my job here type of move. Um, so I don't think it's going to happen. I do think it's fascinating, though, that Passon talked about it, that he threw it into that article, and it does show the uniqueness and weirdness of this trade deadline, the idea that so many teams are in it, that it really does set up a situation where if you are a seller, there is a real chance where you could have a real market 
on your side type of thing, you know, where you have an asset that a lot of different teams want that you could potentially really get a high price for, especially in a season that is such a sham as it is. I mean, it's an interesting idea. It's an interesting thought. Again, I think there is no chance the Phillies do it just because fan sentiment, the team, Klentak, what they've said they're doing. I mean, Klentak, if you were to do that, is basically admitting failure. And there's no reason John Middleton shouldn't fire him if that's the case, right? I mean, if they're saying, all right, we weren't good enough to compete, even though we all we talked about was competing and we built this whole team to compete this year in this situation, and then we added relievers and it still wasn't good enough. I mean, that's like saying, all right, I failed. I mean, that's the only takeaway. So that's why I think there's no chance they do it. But it is interesting. And again, it does kind of just add to what a weird, unique trade deadline this is going to be. And who knows how many teams make deals, what kind of deals get made. Again, just to put it bluntly, I think it is more likely that the Phillies make another trade to add somebody than it is sell as far as it goes. I think it is so incredibly unlikely. But it is interesting that people around baseball have been talking about it that way and even taking the the thought into discussion. Um, because look, from a like it, just from a logical perspective, if the Phillies did fall out of it for all intents and purposes, let's say they're at the thirty game mark and they lose the next six, and they're sitting there at ten and twenty. I mean, trading JT makes a lot of sense. Again, they're not doing it, but like if you're done for the year and he's a free agent in the year, and you can have just as much of a chance to re-sign him still, and you can get something for him. I mean, it is the kind of thing a, a smart team would do. Um, but again, I don't think it's happening. I don't think it's going to happen. And look, I think that I don't think they're going to lose six in a row or anything. Who knows with this team and this bullpen, but I just think with this year, everyone's in it and it's going to be really hard to, to know who and who isn't a seller. And it's going to create a really fascinating trade deadline. So we'll be all over it. And again, I just don't see the Phillies doing that. I, again, I think they're more likely to add than subtract, but we will see either way. Luckily we have some actual games we can watch tonight to get back at it. So uh, we will be back uh, tomorrow to react to some Phillies and Nationals action. Three game series beginning tonight in Washington, then Atlanta after that. So we will dive into all that and more tomorrow. So until then, stay safe, stay healthy. And thank you for listening to another edition of Phillies Today right here on the Phillies 24 7 Network. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.